All right, where pleasant fountains lie. Before I get into this, let me just say to you, Ethan, my friend, happy 20th anniversary. Happy Enterprise Day. Happy 20th anniversary of Enterprise Day. Where were you today 20 years ago? I have absolutely no idea. I know where I was. I, I didn't watch it till, uh, I watched it on Netflix, from Netflix discs. So I was right in front of the... T- Actually, we are recording this September 26th at 8 p.m., so... At this exact moment, 20 years ago, I was sitting in front of my TV watching the premiere episode of Enterprise, Broken Bow. Okay. So well, we're... It's a 2001, so I was going to community college at the time, so hmm. I might have been writing a paper. I'll say I was writing a paper. Yeah. Unbelievable to think that it's been that long, but it feels that long. It doesn't feel like it was just yesterday. It feels like it was 20 years ago. Because yeah. so given much that, has happened between them. Given that it's just weeks after 9-11, it's, that's sort of how I have to look at it. But more to discuss on that when we do a full episode on Enterprise, hopefully in the next week or so. But today we're here to discuss the latest episode of Lower Decks, where pleasant fountains lie. And as we were just saying before I hit that record button, it was a Good episode, not great, not not bad either. I thought it was very middle of the road. I think the the best way I can put this was it was just kind of there. It just kind of existed and did some stuff, and that was it. I think also it was a it was a good episode, and it was as we think it brought this up for us we were just saying how i've mentioned how my notes have notes but they're not very exciting it's just kind of this happened and then this happened so i guess it was a um it was a competent episode and it just worked and it sort of was what we expected might be the issue with this show is that if it's good we're not gonna have that much to say yes and this was just good well i think it's this was good but it didn't it I, I would say it didn't fire on all cylinders it maybe fired on a few but it didn't when i think back when i think back to this season possibly depends on i guess what they do with the remaining three episodes i don't know if this one's going to be a, a standout it i don't think it was a standout so far this season but again going back to what i what we traditionally say this was a plot that I thought we could have seen on one of the other shows. I think that the sort of plot A of this show, which I have as the intelligent AI who tricked two civilizations into going to war with each other. Now the crew is tasked with bringing this AI to the Daystrom Institute. But I think that that aspect of it, that the AI who tricked two civilizations into going to war with each other, that is extremely original series to me. And maybe, maybe first few seasons of early seasons of next gen, but it feels more like a TOS plot to me. I, I totally agree. And I think that the title definitely suggests that also I was looking at the title and actually, so I just pulled up um, some original series episodes and just listen to how nicely it fits. Whom gods destroy Requiem for Methuselah where pl- Pleasant fountains lie, whom gods destroy. 
It just can, flows right into the sort can, of titles. That and I can see yeah. it. I can see it in that TOS font with the quote quotations on either end of it. That just sort of coming up on screen. Who pleasant fountains lie. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Yeah, I think it was very much an original series style setup, which we got. We didn't get that part. We sort of got the tail end of, a, of right. an original series episode. I think it was sort of right. maybe. Well, well, in a way, we got a bottle episode in a shuttle, like we did get with Enterprise. We did, partially, but given that it's animated, they don't have to save money with bottle episodes, so we got other things as well. Um, but I definitely saw um, Phillips. As sort of a next-gen style episode. Yeah, story. it's weird. So with the multiple plots going on, that felt like a TNG plot. What I was going to say, uh, follow up with you on, was that I feel like the TOS episode would have been Kirk and the crew coming to that planet and uncovering that it's an AI causing this war in between and lower decks would have been sort of the follow-up of them taking that AI after afterwards, yeah, kind of like yeah. what they did with uh return of the Arkans, right? They go back and they see that they're all worshiping Landrew again. Lower decks would have been okay. Now after Kirk and Spock have left now, give us the AI. We'll take it to the Daystrom Institute. Right. And at some point, definitely Kirk would have said, can't you see this computer has caused you all to go mad. Right. Yeah. It was really refreshing. I think also this week, to see that we a recurring character who I don't think we've really seen. I couldn't remember the last time we saw the chief engineer. I know we saw him in the, I think the first episode. Then we saw him again a few episodes in when Rutherford's trying out all the different responsibilities, the different departments that he could work on on the ship. I can't recall the last time we saw him though, but well, we've definitely seen him before. I know the notable, when I mentioned how he's becoming one of my favorite characters was when... We had, um, uh, um, uh, uh, that guy who is a man there, <laughs> the security guy, Ransom, Ransom, um, first officer is Ransom, Ransom got godlike powers. And remember how quick Phillips was to say, um, when he said, you almost bowed before me, he was very quick to say, oh, yes, of course you are superior. Yes. He, he had already been thinking. He was very quick to to uh, become a minion or a worshiper. Of mm-hmm. And that's why I thought he got very, very funny. Um, so I was glad to see him um, pat it out this, a little bit of story. This reminded me of, so we get to see this chief engineer have the the sort of B-plot of the show of the episode now tendy doesn't get a lot to do this week he kind of comes in and sort of takes the place of her in the story and it was refreshing for me to see them focus on a recurring character this was kind of like this was kind of like the way the next gen would do would like throw an episode to lieutenant barkley we never see him rarely ever do we see him but when we do you know he does get episodes which yeah, I thought was a focused episode. Well, and it was strange when you think about it. The way Barkley was introduced, he wasn't introduced as just some character who would get a couple of scenes here and there. He he was introduced by getting a full episode devoted to him called it really Hol- uh, Hollow like you would Never see him again after that episode. Right. So it was like, why are you, you deciding to focus on this one character? Yeah. The one. Yes. But w- with Barkley, we got a couple. I mean, I think I can just think of three off the top of my head, but. 
Mm-hmm. So it was it was refreshing to to see that. I mean, this would be again, you know, like Next Gen would have done or Deep Space Nine, Voyager, maybe Enterprise. I can't really think of an yeah. instance, but the 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 Berman era Trek shows would do this, right? We don't we don't get this, and I think that's one of the things I think we think of has caused the franchise to suffer in that we don't get to know our ancillary characters as well and right. that could be because there's less episodes or it could be any number of things but too many um, characters on the other shows in my opinion right that don't get anything to do or they all kind of you can swap the lines between characters um but you know you know how i love for some reason jordy focused episodes and this really had reminded me of that kind of feel and you know jordy has a fair amount of episodes but not a ton by any means i found it and, uh, i found it extremely odd though the way they ended the opening teaser as if it was some, so in the opening teaser, what happens is after they come up from the planet and they realize, okay, we have to take this AI to the Daystrom Institute. They get hailed by another vessel, not a a non-Starfleet vessel who needs some repairs. And it is the name of the species. They get hailed by the high, high Spirians, Hesperians, is that how you say it? Hesperians? I think they, I think it's the Hesperian. So they get hailed by the Hesperians, who are sort of like a Renaissance type of alien species that we've never seen I really before. Like the, yeah, the Ren, Renfair type. Exactly. And it's revealed in the opening teaser that the queen of them, who is the one who hails the Cerritos, it's revealed right away that she is the chief engineer's mother, who happens to come aboard the bridge. At that exact moment, and then it sort of cuts from there and goes into this dramatic cue, which I thought, oh, but I didn't really, if the show wanted me to see the drama there, I didn't, because I just thought, oh, I haven't seen him in a while. So even though it was revealing, it didn't feel revealing, if that makes sense. Right. And we've only seen those opening bits before the credits used for a quick gag. Yeah, the show seems to want to, sometimes we don't get them. Other right. times we just get something unrelated, but sometimes we get something related. And this one right. set up two, both plots. Yeah, so that was interesting. It was a different use of it. But like you said, it didn't really add anything. Yeah. Because we weren't really stunned. But whatever, it was fine. It was fine. I mean, it, it may, maybe it was just more about like, we're just going to do what the other Trek shows have done in that it just, it may reveal something and then just cut to the opening credits. Yeah, maybe so they were just looking at it from that. This is the first time it's done this. It's always been a gag or nothing. Yeah. But I do think that it was a it was a excellent setup for that whole storyline. Right. Where he is the heir to a throne, but he has to have sex, and if he does, he's going to take over immediately. And so he's resisting that. His mom's trying to get him back. It, it definitely there was a mm-hmm. lot. It was a well-constructed premise. So why don't we talk about that premise first? So the queen, she contacts the Cerritos. Her ship needs repairs. And again, as we said, it's revealed that the chief engineer of the Cerritos is her son. So the chief engineer, whose name I didn't write down, brings Rutherford to the other vessel with him to to repair the ship. And as you had said... He's the heir to the throne, and she wants him to have sex with somebody. Very peculiar, royal, p- peculiar plot, royal but whatever. Population. Yes, royal population. yes. 
But this goes back, I think, to what I was saying earlier. This goes back to original series, maybe even early seasons of TNG. Just these, I'd say more original series in this case, but just these these aliens have a very Renfair sensibility about them. The ship, you go inside, it's like it looks like a it, you know it looks like a castle inside. They have guards. At one point, there's even a horse seen on that ship. So, but what I loved about it was the fact that these people were technologically advanced. They still retain this sort of mythical again sensibility about them for instance the way they name their technology i mean i didn't write down the names of it but you know the dragon's fire was the um right the propulsion system and rutherford's confused yeah that they were not i feel like in the original series this they would have went to a planet and it would have just been this style and they would have never made note of it right yes and where and maybe even in next gen whereas here it's not even that they have any connection to this. It's that they're Renfair types. So Renfair types, people that are enthusiastic about this point in history, and they mm-hmm. they dress up it, but they know it's a facade. Right. So that was the funny part, was that this is just a choice. We've just decided we're going to make our culture this way. Well, because it makes me... It reminds me of in The Cage, we see Pike go into a flashback when he's fighting with some guy... He's fighting with a sword and shield with this other alien and uh so again to your point like there may not have been anything unusual about that at the time that was just science fiction it was just that type of you know and it could have just been well what props do we have to use what's available like we can't afford to design something let's just use what we have okay these these people are going to be they're like these aliens are like knights okay and that's and there's a castle and that's what they're that's what that's what this alien race is going to be like to your point these people seem to have made a choice to go in that direction yes which makes it much funnier to me but it's also the type of alien race that you would not see on a sort of contemporary <laughs> trek show right no, you would i said not. You would not. I thought this was with New Eden, where it was sort of a midwestern, maybe mid twentieth century vibe, right? Mid nineteenth century vibe. Yeah, like everybody in the original series was either Renfair type, or they ancient Greece, ancient Greece, right? Or gangs of Chicago, World War Two. Again, it was really just an amalgamation of whatever props they could probably get their hands on, whatever costumes they could probably get their hands on. And of course, a few straight-up aliens, of course. Of course, right. But if they got to save a few bucks this week, I'll just have that person put on the Apollo costume from from that Outer Limits episode. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Love it. So. And that's what I, uh, you know, to change the subject a little bit for a second, is that's really what I hope that uh, Strange New Worlds brings a little bit of that to it. Right. Obviously, I don't really expect them to be rummaging through the available costumes, but hell, why not? They should. But I think also the uh, – I'm, I'm sounding like a, a, a broken LP at this point, but the show with these aliens, for instance, is continuing to do what I was really hoping the show was going to do. Again, these are totally original aliens. These are not some an alien race we've seen before. I mean, we would, to, as we were just saying, we would have probably seen aliens like this on the original series, maybe early next generation. 
But this is another case of Lower Decks contributing something brand new to the lore. I don't know how you would do these aliens on the other shows. I can't imagine them popping up on Discovery or Picard. I mean, because they, they, they're very specific. Maybe Strange New Worlds, they could work. That, that's what we want, right? But maybe... Because they're very specific to Lower Decks's comedic sensibilities. It just works for Lower Decks. But... Right. Again, the show is continuing to not only contribute original content, but it is also it's being far more strategic with the again, Easter eggs rather than just like throwing it all at you at a breakneck speed. I mean, at one point the queen says to the captain, this is sort of a throwaway line, but she says, you know, you're the only ship in the quadrant. Well, I mean, she's sort of repeating what Kirk said in uh, to Spock and I think start in Star Trek two, where he says, uh, you know, when he has to go to regular one and he says, he says, you know, we're the only ship in the quadrant. So she's using the same line as Kirk, but it doesn't really mean anything to somebody who doesn't know that. But it's, I'm, I'm watching it going, oh, I know what she's doing. Huh. And I. Uh, yeah. That seems like a broad enough statement that it could come up. And that's what I mean when I say they're being far more strategic about some of the uh, some of the Easter eggs that they're throwing in because they don't require you to really have a knowledge of what's come before because if you don't because you if you don't realize that that's what she's doing then it, nothing is lost on you. I think that one might have been a coincidence. That's my theory. But they do say they buried they buried Data's head. You'd have to know for that one. Oh yeah, they do. They do mention that one. That would, I think that one would have made no sense to anyone. That I think they would have been left puzzles a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. No, they put it in a cave. That was yeah. There was nothing there for a casual fan that doesn't know the characters at all. Yeah, but I think uh, overall, I mean, I I liked this plot of the episode quite a bit. It again, it was ref- I would I think the best thing about it was to have them devote some screen time to a recurring character a member not of the main not of the main cast so that was nice i'd like to see them do more of that i mean give us a you know why don't you give us a kashan episode or give us an episode give us another episode with kashan and ransom teaming up together like last week or if they have to go to kashan's planet right well that would be great it, but again i mean the show is also continuing to break up the dynamics and focus on other things rather than just doing these two people and then these two people they're exploring these other relationships which i just think is very which i think is a lot of it definitely you know it's refreshing to see but it's also a lot of fun to see what else these characters can do on the show right and also given that rutherford does have his um ambitions in engineering it also deepened that relationship yeah so it did a lot of things well uh i I definitely like the double cross aspect to it as well. The queen uh, tricking him that had a good feel to it. I mean, I feel like we're comparing everything, but I could see that in a next gen episode. Right. But again, and as we said last week though, when we say that, that's not being, that's not a negative. It just no, no, shows you that because I think 
I wrote that down a lot the last couple weeks, but especially in this episode. Maybe this is just because – maybe I don't think it's because this episode is doing something better than the other ones. I think it's just final. I think it's because I've said it so many times. It's just now occurring to me that you you could do this on next gen. It would still work. You would just replace the. I mean, it would the story would go a lot longer, right? Because next gen's a hour long show. But if then if you just but if you just remove the comedic elements to it and you replace that with more dramatic elements, yeah, I mean you could still you could still do it perfectly. Right, and I think part of the thing of saying that too is that it's a they're well done stories that have enough elements to them that right. they could have sustained an episode of that show, which is do you think uh, high praise? Do you think that's kind of maybe Lower Decks's sweet spot in a way? And what I mean by that is they tell a story and then they just sort of litter it. In with com- so in other words, like the comedy is not the basis of the story. The comedy comes out of the the plot, right? The, like in other words, the plots are not written to be funny. So whereas, like when you write this, when you when you write this, and you say this could work on next gen, if again, if you just remove the comedy element of it, because the plot is strong enough to go maybe that way or go another way to be a dr- to be something dramatic or something comedic. I think when the comedy is not the backbone of the plot of Lower Decks, that's where I feel like it works best. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I do think there are elements always, like the fact that he has to remain a virgin or else he becomes king. I think that right. was probably a, uh, that was a funny aspect. Probably. Right. I well, say. I could still see Next Gen doing that and maybe mining some comedy. I don't think they would have gone as far as this episode did. Right. Right, and I think Next Gen would have been a little bit more coy with that. Yeah. I mean, I could see it, that it, character talking to Counselor Troy about it. Yeah, it did strain credulity a little bit because uh, let's say he was off on a mission and he had sex. He could remove, he has free will. He could continue to be on the Cerritos being the um, head of engineering. Right. So it, I just, but I didn't think too hard about. It. No, no, neither did I. But I, I enjoyed this plot. I enjoyed this plot. It wasn't my favorite of the, of the episode. My favorite, of course, was the was plot A, which was bringing the AI to the Daystrom Institute. So Mariner and Boimler have to do this themselves, go on a shuttle and bring the AI back. To the Daystrom Institute. And of course we get the standard shuttle accident. They're stranded on a planet. This is not new to Trek, right? I mean, I was this episode actually reminded me a lot of the Deep Space Nine episode called The Ascent. Quark and Odo get stranded on a planet and they have to carry a transmitter with them to the highest point of a mountain. So, but this was some really good there was some really good moments, really good character developments between some really good moments with, I thought, Boimler and Mariner. And it really made me realize sort of like how much more competent Boimler is in himself. And I'm beginning to see, I'm beginning to see places where his character has truly grown from last season. Yeah, I think this is probably the most competent we've seen. This is the, his best, even better than last week. This is his 
best use of his abilities. Most impressive performance, certainly. Well, I think that he... I think it's because he... If this was last season, he would be obviously panicky and just very, you know, what do I do? How do I do this? And he wouldn't, he would kind of be freaking out, right? He's got a little bit of an ego because when, because he keeps saying, you know, back when I was on the Titan, kind of reminds me, different show, but it kind of reminds me like on Frasier, whenever Frasier wants to bring up his Harvard, his Harvard education, because he does that uh, quite a bit. But everyone that has one of those. Yeah, probably. But it you get to see him really he even shocks Mariner, I think, at how competent he truly is on this mission. Because this AI, voiced by the wonderful Jeffrey Coombs, who's made his return to the Trek franchise finally, Ooh. is trying to pit them against each other. You know, he's desperate to get plugged into a computer or something. And that, to me, I thought was really, really funny. It was sad and pathetic, but that's why it was so funny. Right. And I have to say, I really thought that Boimler was being duped by the computer. I did, too, actually. I I even wrote a note here saying, if Boimler is right, it doesn't matter. So saying that if Boimler happens to be right and the computer happens to do what he wants... It won't take away from how dangerous what he did was. But that note well, was moot because he knew the whole time exactly what he was doing. Well, even when he showed Boimler the recording of... Because Boimler originally was not supposed to go on that mission. He was originally going to be... He had a phaser rifle. He was going to go help the Ransom and his crew go deal with some giant space centipedes, he refers to them as. Then suddenly he gets assigned to go on this mission with with uh, Mariner and he's not happy about it. So the computer actually shows Boimler a recording of Mariner being really backstabby and talking to Ransom and wanting and saying he's not ready for that. You know, tell him to come on the away mission with me to the Dayserm Institute. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Ransom's like, oh, okay, well, I thought I'd be ready for it, but all right. So naturally, now I thought that the computer was actually making that up because I thought, well... The computer wants to pit them against each other. I would assume that maybe that's a good way of doing it. Right. And we do know that they were able to completely fake that footage of Spock. Um, uh, oh, control, con- was. control was, yeah. It would have been so easy to do it years later. Right. Um, yeah, I thought maybe that was true. And then for a minute, I thought his old reaction was too much because didn't Tendy do the same thing last week in a way? She didn't say that he would, couldn't handle it, but she changed everyone's mission to be, so that they would be doing uh, cleanup with her. Well, he went to go with the red shirts last week, but yeah. Right, but didn't Tendi, like, they were not all supposed to be working with her on the cleanup. And That's right. Changed. Yeah. 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 But I understand it was the part where she was saying, no, he can't handle it and all that. So I did like that they had some conflict and that it actually blew up into a full-blown conflict. Right. It was resolved pretty well in that Mariner sort of admitted that he, in fact, she underestimated him. Well, at first... She's getting more respect for him and not seeing him as much as her uh, just mentee. At first, I was was a little frustrated that the two of them were going at it again. But then I realized that... 
given how confident Boimler was in doing what it needed to do to get them out of that off that planet, I began to think how how must Mariner be feeling about this? Because it used to be she was kind of the the one to stay calm and cool in that in the crisis, right? But it seems to me now that Boimler is kind of now on her level and maybe and heading past it, right? His his confidence level is growing to sort of be on par with hers now. And does she feel does she feel threatened by that? Right? Because why else would she tell Ransom to not bring Boimler on that assignment? Unless she truly believed she was looking out for it. Yeah. Which she could have. And also, I don't think that she, she didn't panic in this situation. I think her approach was fine, too, this week. It wasn't as if he was a brilliant genius and she, was, she lost her cool. Right. She just, um, you know, took. It, it was interesting because she took sort of the safer route, where he took the more daring route. So that was the interesting flip. Her yeah. just keep him away from a computer. We'll try to find some water. We'll try to survive till someone pick. She would have. She would have gone. Mariner would have gone on the unconventional route. Whereas Boimler would have been like, no, 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 don't do that. Like, let's just let's just get it fixed and let's wait for. And let's just call it and set a distress call yeah. out and wait. Like, yeah. So, so that was an interesting flip. Yeah, but I think see them being like coming equals now. I think they're becoming equals, and but it's making me think more and more about where these two are going. And what I mean by that is, what does Mariner ultimately want to happen with Boimler? And what I mean, and uh, are we seeing like possible relationship? There, I mean, she's already expressed finally a few weeks ago, like she was upset that he left so quickly. You know, you were my best friend. But I can't believe that it's only just a best friendship. There's got to be more there that I don't think that she it's because for me, I think because she's lower decks, I don't think she wants to lose him. I think she's she's almost like wants to keep him at the lower decks level because she wants a best friend there. That makes sense. And I can see that playing out. Which, yeah, I can see that playing out. Which, must do, we've sort of already dealt with that. So that would be kind of a bummer. Yeah, we're kind of back to that. I mean, that's what I thought the... Remember we thought that's... I think, didn't we think initially, I know I did, that the initial premise of the show was going to focus more on Boimler. And I remember thinking, given how Mariner is, is she going to be sort of the one that who's consistently a threat to his moving up. Like she's going to do something to ruin his chances every single time. And we didn't really arrive at like, well, it's actually a Mariner show until like maybe like the second or third episode in. So. So maybe it still will be that, that she becomes the threat, which is, is it's been sort of inconsistent because there's been times where she seems to have been generally, genuinely happy for his progress. Right. But maybe it is that she likes to the mentor role. That you won't really like as much the equal role, the role of equals. Well, don't forget she said a few weeks ago, you know, humorously dragging him away. You know, you're my number one. You're my number one. But I think she meant that more as a, obviously as a best friend, not as an actual like, I'm your mentor, you're my mentee. But 
when she was saying that she was upset with him for leaving, he didn't even say goodbye, anything like that. I don't think that that would have. I don't think that that would have made it better, though. I still think she would have been upset. I don't think she would have yeah, moved on at that point. Trying to convince him not to go, just like he feared. Yeah. Yeah. Which. Which makes me wonder. And I think we were kind of going down this route over the last couple of weeks. Kind of back goes back to what you were saying is that you know you were getting tired of the whole Mariner has a harebrained scheme, let's go and do this, and then disaster strikes. And I yeah. felt like you might have been suggesting, rightly or wrongly, I don't know if this was you this was what you were trying to do, but like how long does the show how long can the show sustain this premise because eventually people have to get promoted eventually. Right. So how long do they actually remain lower decks? Right. Well, yeah, my point was just more of just do a different type of story. Like this week, you know, nobody mm-hmm. got promoted. They're all still in the same position, but it was a different twist than right. Mariner has a crazy idea. They all do it. And then yeah, crazy stuff ensues. So I just one variety and we've been getting it. So I've been very happy since then. Yeah. I think for me, it's because I'm seeing the possibility for Boimler to move up and what have you again. And while I think that'd be great if he did legit this time, I want to be sure that the show's premise remains intact as well. But I, but Mariner could move up too in theory. And then it becomes upper decks. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would be a little. It might be a little goofy. It might be sort of like um, when a show that's set in high school, when they all go to college together, and then they're all in college, and you know that, that but it makes no sense because what group of friends all go to the same college? You know, if they all got onto a ship and they were right, you know, captain number one, engineering. And then engineering number one or something. You are, of course, referring to Saved by the Bell. I'm that's partially a, referring to because that's the exactly Bell, yeah. what happened. Yes, the college years. Yeah, I think maybe nine hundred two one zero did that somewhat. I don't remember exactly. Um, but to that yeah, show's point, not that I would, not that I have imagined ever coming to Saved by the Bell's defense. <laughs> not all, not the entire cast went to college together. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yes, but I, so I don't see that happening here, but I wouldn't, I would still watch it, obviously. Mm. I think it would be fun. Yeah. And I think going back to what we, we had been saying a few weeks ago, try not to take all of that too seriously. Just watch right, it. Because, just watch it for what it is. Yeah. Right. It is a sitcom and there's a good chance they might just stay exactly where they are. For but, but I will say, I don't think that I would be doing that if the show didn't play with the idea of doing it. Good point. Yeah, they dropped the hints. They they seem to want to go in that direction. So they're getting me to think that that's what they're going to be doing. And I think maybe that's why when they don't fully commit to it and revert, that's sort of where the disappointment light, you know, can 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 come in because you you made me think that that's what you were going to be doing. And like okay, if it's going to be unconventional and just be to your point a sitcom where like not really much matters, then don't tease me 
that you might be doing something and then don't fully commit to it. Right. So, but I think overall, uh, my thoughts on this were, uh, I thought it was a, it was a good episode. It wasn't great, but it wasn't that bad either. I think that the highlight of the episode is absolutely the, the Boimler and Mariner dynamic. It was good to see their, uh, where the relationship was in this episode. And I liked seeing Boimler like proving himself with his confidence. I think he's definitely grown since last season. And then even being on the Titan, even though it didn't seem like on the Titan, he was, he was learning that much, but yeah. So I think it just on the whole for those two characters, that's where I thought the episode was most effective. And also, I liked the episode a lot. And but I, for me, the, I, I really liked the Billups storyline best. Interesting which surprised me because I really was excited to see um, uh, Shran as a computer. Yes. Um, and I really loved the way he totally evoked the original series, even when he was talking and the light would sort of dim and flash. It was very mm-hmm. original series, and the way yep. he talked was very original series. So I loved all that idea. But I really thought that the um, yeah the Phillips episode was the most interesting. I really liked having a it was different weird alien species um, you know fleshed out in the way they work, and we got some good um, Rutherford moments. The storyline played out really well. We got to see Tendi find out that Rutherford was dead, and she believes that it was true, and her reaction was. Um, very strong, of course. Yeah. Emotional, and then for her to spring into action, she didn't get much to do, but what she did get to do was great. How she sprang into action to figure out what was going on and sort of solved it. Yeah, the show was very light on Tendi this week. I mean, she kind of came in at the yeah, she came in at the at the sort of the tail end of that plot. But the most critical mo- right. uh, role in it, really. Mm-hmm. Another thing I thought was very interesting, which is sort of not was sort of breezed over, but. I feel if it was any other of the series, live action, it would not have been. It was very clear that Billups, his royal, um, you know, intercourse or whatever, was a threesome with a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. So, great on the show for some bisexual representation. I'm totally with that. Absolutely. I... I was surprising because... I didn't expect it. And then when it was there, it, was, it just presented so casually. And well, they didn't, fact. they, they didn't, again, they didn't make a, they didn't make a thing of it, right? It's just, they just presented it. That's how it is. Right. Yes. And no commentary needed. No commentary that needed. commentary is the commentary. Exactly. I did enjoy seeing the Daystrom Institute at the end and it, it was exactly how, how it appeared in Star Trek Picard, which... Somewhat surprised me because it seemed like the show was not, the show was not doing much to reference the live, the current live action shows, which isn't to say that it didn't have to. And I didn't think that it was consciously avoiding doing so, but it was nice to sort of see you want as a Trek fan. You obviously know they take place in the same universe, but you just want the shows to sometimes remind you of that. And so I think, and the show has obviously professed its love over and over and over again 
for every single show in the franchise uh, before the Discovery era of shows. So it was nice to see a reference to, again, the current live-action shows. And we thought they were doing it. We thought they were at FreeCloud, but it ended up not being the case. But they took some... It was clear they took some inspiration from all of that, especially with the Quarks franchise. Yeah, it looks like it could have definitely been a free class. Uh, yeah. And it was obviously very funny to see the sheer number of um, computers that were yes. murderous. Exa- yeah. And I love that they were all just sitting there talking to each other, arguing and with each other. They very dramatic um, right. kind of personalities. I noticed one of them was a CBSI. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Did we notice, were there any from the original series? I feel like we've encountered a few of these in the original series, right? Yeah, I was looking carefully, and I don't believe so. I don't I don't believe so. Yeah. I didn't see anything that I recognized there. But I did wonder, though, because this is the Daystrom Institute, and we're talking about evil AIs. And while it was destroyed, I thought to myself... Could control be? Could there be like some form of control in there someplace? But yeah. No, they pick it into the future, so it can't be. Right. Right. And of course, that was wiped from Starfleet, the Starfleet record. So. Yeah. But I guess having it in deep in the vaults of the Daystrom Institute would make sense. Right. They seem pretty secretive, but they need to be. Yeah. The. Um, I was looking when they crashed on the planet, you know, looking at the the wrecks of all of these ships. I was looking to see if there was anything that I recognized, which I didn't. I just felt that it had a very, I felt like a it felt like a Star Wars type of planet though, for me, like just a desert planet with a bunch of sh- sh- crash ships. I think because it reminded me a little bit of like maybe Force Awakens when yeah, the ship junkyard, right. right, or the downed Star Destroyer. Yeah. Yeah, even the scene when um. Um, Boimler went into the ship with the computer. It yep. gave me some real ray going into the Star Destroyer in episode seven vibes. Hmm. But um, yeah, I think other than that, yeah, not a again, not a bad episode, but but not a great, but not a great episode, not, not a great episode either. The the episodes of the last few weeks, I think, were kind of one-upping each other as the weeks went on over like the last three weeks but this one i thought was a little bit of a it was just kind of there it wasn't um it did some great things i again i liked the where boimler was i liked the plot that you were referring to but um yeah that was kind of it yeah it was, for me. It was just that it, I mean, it, it's gonna be a challenge for me to come up with my funniest line let's say because it was not that kind of episode it was more story-based and what like joke haha based yeah i didn't actually find myself laughing in this really laughing this week um i mean sort of laughing on the inside but it did feel more of a like episode there was a much stronger story in these episodes and it just there was less reliance on comedy because the comedy wasn't the backbone of the story there were just sort of comedic moments throughout littered throughout yeah but less than usual but that yeah less than usual i mean i did i i laughed at seeing the horse in the hallway on that ship because it was just because it just made no sense at all but yet it did make sense and i liked watching the ais argue with each other at the end but 
that was kind of that was kind of it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So I get a couple. One when um, the computer says, "I shall blind you," and he was only plugged into the dimmer switch, so he just was turning the light on and off. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that was good. And then the other one's not really a line, but when um, Tendi discovered the the dinner, and they were she was escaping with Rutherford, and and there was someone playing a lute. Oh yes. And it was, Blocking their comms, and he said, "Blocking our comms." And then he just <laughs> ran into him and knocked him over, and then he stopped playing the loot, and then it stopped blocking their comms. Right. I definitely laughed out loud for that because that was a very original series kind of thing. Well, I like, and I even liked when the two. I liked when the two of them boarded the ship, and those musicians were like following them around, yes. playing the music, which I thought was really funny. But I think my favorite quotes. I have two. So at one point on the planet, when they begin burying the AI, he's like, "I have rights." Which <laughs> Star Trek has proved, yes. And then, uh, as soon as they realize, as soon as Mariner um, uh, Rutherford realizes that this is all, this is all just a ruse, and he has to go and try to find Chief Engineer Phillips. I did write the name down. He has to go find the Chief Engineer quickly before he does uh, what he's supposed to be doing. He says, uh, "Where's Phillips? Did his kingdom come?" Uh, that was clever. Yeah. That was clever. Um, actually, it's funny that, that now thinking, I, I was doing some grading earlier, and I put on, I didn't realize that IMDb has a classic Doctor Who channel. So I put it on, and that he Doctor Who was on a planet where everything looked sort of like Renaissance, and but their swords had a like computer, like a silicon chip on it with a dial, and they were somehow electronic and the crossbow is the same thing it was very much the same kind of vibe as as this but as i just realized now hmm interesting oh if they're going back to like how they're going back to like 60s 60s sci-fi sensibilities yes and yeah. it was almost exactly the same in that it was a renaissance planet but classical looking weapons and things but they had just an advanced electronic component to them so perhaps they were watching some Doctor Who and they kind of conceived this. Doctor Who fans and Star Trek fans, I know, it's kind of one and the same. Like they, they always seem to like both. It never seems to be one or the other. But with them, yeah. The more I watch the original, the, the classic Doctor Who's, the more I realize how similar it was to the original series. Right. In that you've got little goofy lessons and weird ass aliens, and they're using whatever they have laying around. Mm-hmm. So. We've got three episodes left, which I can't believe. Season doesn't seem to be going by as fast. It, last season just felt like it flew by, mm. but that's fine. Um, I think where I'm landing, I mean, I, I don't want to get into too much detail because obviously we do the season review at the end, but I, I think so far, um, I definitely feel like the season has gotten better, but I, I still am feeling like it's not um, as strong as last season, but I mean, there are some things I think that it does better. I think overall, I think last season was a little bit stronger, but this one I think so far has been doing a lot more work in terms of giving us developing its characters more shifting out, shifting the dynamics around to see who else works, bringing in other characters to see what they can add to it. So I feel like the season while, Maybe not as strong. It feels like they're experimenting more with new things. 
mm. which I and appreciate. I, feel that I think last season they didn't really wow us until closer to the end. Right. We got the holodeck episode and some of the ones that really, I think, mm-hmm. hit us as fantastic. Yeah. And there were a bunch at the beginning last season that weren't that strong. So It was three and four, the, as I recall. More consistent. Yeah. It's been consistently entertaining and fine. Not as laugh out loud funny, but I'm, I don't really mind that. Since a lot of that was based on the references, which I think were uh, tired, getting growing tired as the episodes progressed. But I think the episode coming up this week is going to be more akin to the holodeck episode of last week. Sorry, I stole you what you said because you said <laughs> it's good. I like the way you said it. I know I said it well. Yeah. No, I agree. It's going to be akin to it because this is where they're going to have the... I think it might even fall into the slot where last season's fell. Yeah. Where this will be our kind of reference heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in the holodecks or right. all of something, so you don't have to worry about making it all fit and work together so you can really let loose and just throw it all in there, which right. is nice. I, I would rather see that than than the constant um, cutaways to or just throwing things in where they right. kind of don't fit. Well, and also, I mean, based on what they do talk about in that trailer, it's it's all about a Starfleet drill instructors giving them a bunch of different scenarios that the, to test them in. So it looks like it's just going to be a taste of like everything we've seen in the universe before. But also, I like the idea behind that because that's something that just feels very unique to Lower Decks. Yes, and it seems like we see a board cube. We see the radiation situation from um, Wrath of Khan. We see the mirror universe. Mirror Universe, which, yep. you know, we got to see everybody in the Mirror Universe. It's great. Of course. Yeah. So I have a feeling that this one coming up is going to be very funny. I'm really looking forward to that one. But I think the one last season was like, it was like the penultimate episode, but we're still in the same, we're still in the ballpark of like the same. Oh, yes. Yeah. The one before. Right. Yeah. But mm, really yeah, looking well. really looking forward to that one. I think it's going to be great. But in the meantime, if you have any ideas, you can t- you can definitely let us know. By tweeting us at Star Trek We Trust on Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram at Star Trek We Trust in Star Trek We Trust podcast on Instagram. That is in Star Trek We Trust podcast on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And if you want to satisfy his urge to know what you're doing while you listen to it, listening to our podcast, I would say let us know of that too. Yes, what are you doing? Probably it's questioning why they've wasted their lives listening to us, I would assume, but I can't know until someone tells us. They how they've wasted an hour a day listening to us? An hour a week? 99 hours <laughs> of their life? At least 99 hours. I mean, some episodes go longer than that, so... That's true, and maybe they listen to them multiple times. But doing what? Doing what, exactly. Exactly. All right. With that, peace out, everybody.